How is it going, Bears fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Bear Down Podcast, where we talk everything Bears every day of the week. I am your host, Chris Malpe, and today I am joined with my co-hosts, Parsh Shaw and Jalen McClinton. How's it going, fellas? Doing good. Just had dinner, and now here we are recording some football. Bears game. Uh, can't, re- can't wait to finally talk some Bears football and stuff like that. And we are joined today by a very special guest. He's an ESPN NFL analyst who spent seven years in the National Football League, a former Iowa Hawkeye and Glumbard West Hilltopper, just like myself. And he is currently the defensive backs coach at IC Catholic Prep. Welcome to the show, Matt Bowen. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? We're doing good. We're excited to have you on. Uh, talk some Glen Ellen, I guess. Uh, I guess I, I never thought I would be saying that here, but uh, and also obviously talk some bears. So let's hop right into it. So obviously okay. the main reason you're here today is because you're an alumni of Glenbard West High School. So I have to ask you off the bat, because this episode is very special to me, what does it mean to you being from the western suburb that is Glen Ellen and being a former Hilltopper? Well, I think, you know, look, my parents still live in the same house I grew up in over by Sunset Park, Sunset Pool. Um, awesome. You know, and to me growing up, I, I wanted to be one of the guys who walked down the hill. You know, the pregame routine at Gumbar West. Yep. The players come out of the locker room, walk down the hill, uh, play at Duchamp Field on Saturdays. And those are the games I, I grew up going to as a, as a kid. Uh, when I went to Catholic grade school, I went to St. Pets, you know, okay. downtown. Yeah. And then, a petter. Yeah. And then went to Gumbar West. Um, and I played three sports there. You know, that's, that's a big thing for me now, especially as a coach, is – uh, you know, we're seeing the loss of the multiple sport athlete. You know, it's it's you're not seeing that as much. Back when I was in high school, and obviously a lot older than you guys, uh, everyone played a couple sports. I played three, so I was football, basketball, and baseball. The, the day football was over, went to the basketball court. The day basketball was over, I picked up a bat and swing it. Um, and then in the summer, you play summer league basketball, summer league baseball, and also have your football camp. And football camp back then wasn't like it is now. Uh, you'd have some lifting. Um, you'd do some offensive and defensive install, but it wasn't as uh, dedicated as, as it is now. But I love growing up in Glen Ellen. I mean, I really did. My family and I looked at possibly moving there. We lived in the city when I got done playing. Uh, we lived downtown for eight years. And then we, you know, decided to move to Elmhurst. But I always loved Glen Ellen. Always will. Um, a ton of great memories there, especially playing football at Glenbar West. Uh, like I told you today, Chris, not much has changed in terms of the style of play yeah. at Glenbar West. It doesn't matter if it's Bill Duchon in the 70s, Jim Colbert, who I played for, and now Chad Hetland now, who's a very successful coach at Glenbar West, an excellent coach. Uh, you went up front, you control the line of scrimmage, you run the football, you play action, you play good defense. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, guys, football is not really that complicated. Yeah. Um, you know, the stuff I write about, it, it can be complicated, but really – it's always going to be a line of scrimmage game, and the teams that tackle the best and execute the best are going to win, and that's why Glenmore West is always in the state playoffs. Yeah, going off of that, I'm here to talk more about Chad Hetlett and his recent success at Glenmore West. Mm-hmm. He has a career record of 120 wins and 25 losses, and was one of the quickest Illinois coaches to reach the 100-win mark. What are your thoughts when when he's done with the hitters? I think he's carried on a great tradition, and... <clears throat> really taking that tradition to another level. You know, multiple state championship wins, um, competing for the conference championship over almost every single year. And it goes back against the style of play that they have, how physical a football team they are, how disciplined of a team they are, and how they master the details. 
know, the best teams, guys, in America, we're talking about the Chiefs in this past year. Um, looking at the top college programs, Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, Bama, and down to IHSA football, where Glomar West is one of the top teams in the state. They master the details. Mm-hmm. Uh, they master the fundamentals of football, the technique, your hands, your footwork, your ability to finish plays, your ability to create angles to the ball as a defensive back or a linebacker. Um, and how they play the game in terms of winning at the line of scrimmage like we talked about. You do that, you can run whatever you want in offense. Mm-hmm. You can be an air raid offense. You can throw it 45 times a game. You can run it 65 times a game. Once you control that line of scrimmage, you are in total control uh, of your game plan and what you want to do. Uh, but I've been so impressed with Coach Hitler. Um This type of players he puts out, the high-character players that play for him at Glenbar West, sending guys um, – to the college level and as you've seen before even a couple of guys has got a chance in the NFL so uh, obviously an excellent coach um, this record speaks for itself but more importantly when I watch a football team I want to see how they play and I always use the term play style and they're at the top mm-hmm. uh, so, so staying on your personal life and uh, skipping a couple years from high school uh, you were in a 449 40 yard dash at the 2000 NFL combine which is a pretty great time for someone who worked in the secondary did you feel good about that time, or did you feel like you could uh, have a better time? We always think like you can get better. Uh, but my goal was to get somewhere in the 4-4-8, and it was different back then. You know, I was at Combine in 2000. So that was in the old RCA dome. Uh, it was the old AstroTurf, like real AstroTurf. You guys don't yeah. know anything about that. Uh, it, it's horrible. Um, I think you're seeing faster times now. Obviously, the training has changed. You know, the athletes are faster at every level of the game now compared to when I played but also the ability to run with cleats on the field turf now at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. You're seeing better times. Um, but was I happy about it? Yeah, because here's the thing about the combine, guys. You're not going to run your best time. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. That's why you have a pro day uh, later in the process because they put you in the most stressful situation possible. They keep you up late at night. They, <clears throat> you talk to coaches all day. You have written tests. You have physical tests. And then the last thing you do is work out. So that's like your fourth day in town. By the time you get to workouts, you're exhausted. You're tired, mentally and physically tired, and you still have to produce. That's why I'm a big believer in the combine. Not so much the times, because you can run a 4-4-9 and then come back to your pro day and run a 4-4-3. Um, they're uh-huh. always going to take your best time. Yeah. And that's the thing. We always look at these combine times, but really, if you talk to scouts, one, they're going to use their own stopwatches. And they're going to go back to the pro day. If you run a better time, that's the time they're going to put in your scouting report. But the process of Indianapolis and being under that stress level in an uncomfortable environment and being able to produce uh, in terms of your testing times, that's what I'm, big, I'm a big believer in. Um, and look, times get faster and faster every year. What Henry Ruggs from Alabama ran the 4-2 range this year. So yep. guys are moving, man. They are moving. No kidding. So getting back on the Bears now, you know, obviously Matt Nagy, coach of the year in 2018. Mm-hmm. They saw a down year in 2019 when they finished 8-8 eight and eight following a year where obviously they made the playoffs and went 12-4. and four. Uh, I assume you're a Bears fan, so let's not talk about how that one ended. But what do you think went wrong in 2019, and what does Matt Nagy and co. need to improve upon in 2020? Well, a couple things you can look at. One, um, obviously you're going to look at the quarterback position. We understand that. That's a big discussion point. It'll be uh, a legit competition in training camp with Trubisky and Nick Foles. But you need much more consistent play at the quarterback position. Whether that's Mitch winning the job this year and showing us that he can do that, 
or Nick Foles, a guy who has done that at a very high level on the Super Bowl stage. You need someone to direct that offense and manage that offense. You know, Matt's, Matt Nagy's scheme is, you know, comes from the same coaching tree as Andy Reid. You see the same offense in, in Philadelphia with Doug Peterson. Uh, there's a lot of horizontal movement in that offense, a lot of jet motion, lateral motion, a lot of horizontal passing. Schemed up deep balls down the field. They want someone who can process quickly, get from one to two and three their reads, get the ball with speed, and attack space. That's what they do. But the outside the quarterback position, the offensive line play wasn't good enough last year, guys. It wasn't. Nope. And, and I'm a big fan of David Montgomery. And I watched yeah. a lot of his college tape coming out. And I really like David Montgomery. He's not a blazer. But look, guys, at the running back position, how many guys in the league are going to rip off 80-yard runs? There's not that many. What you're looking for is chunk plays. You want 25 to 40-yard runs. You want explosive plays. You didn't see that in the run game last year. I think at times Coach Nagy got away from the run game too early. But when you look at just the specific traits of David Montgomery, he's got contact balance. He's got wiggle. He can shake in the hole. Um, he's got good lateral quickness. He can be a one-cut guy, and he's got receiving traits on the back foot. He's got the, the physical makeup of a pro running back. Yeah. Got good volume last year, but I think they can scheme better in the run game. I think they need to be better, especially in the interior of the offensive line. Is there an inside zone run team? Yeah. Three Cohen, what's, what's the plan there? You know, you look at Three Cohen two years ago in terms of his receiving numbers and production way up in the playoff season. This past year, not as much. What teams are doing, again, is because teams look at Allen Robinson, number one receiving threat in that offense. So if you're a team like the New Orleans Saints in that game, but Marshawn Lattimore and Al Robinson. Who's the next guy you got to take away in the passing game? For a lot of teams, it's Tariq Cohen. So what yeah. do they do? They use the safety. They use Von Bell. They use Gardner Johnson. And they play their three safety defense. And that's how they limited Tariq Cohen. So the Bears have to find better ways to scheme him, find better ways to get him on the edge, and get him in space. Yeah, and also absolutely. on top of that, the guys around him got to play better. You need more availability and production from Anthony Miller. He needs to be on the field. and needs to be a productive player. <clears throat> the tight end position. And they went out and got Jimmy Graham. Now, I'll tell you, Jimmy Graham's play speed is not what it once was. Jimmy Graham's flexibility is not what it once was. Can he be, though, uh, a middle-of-the-field target for whatever the starting quarterback is? Sure. Cole Clement, I really like. The rookie out of Notre Dame. You know, and he played at St. Byron High School, not far from us, up in Arlington Heights. He is a classic pro-style tight end. He can play in line with his hand on the ground and block in the run game. He can flex in the formation. He can stretch the seams. Uh, he's got a very big catch radius. He can lumber after the catch and drop his pads. So there's some upside here with the players we're talking about. But the flip side of that, guys, is your defense. Two years ago, that Bears defense was dominant. Oh, yeah. What I mean by dominant is taking the football away. So a lot of those offensive issues can get covered up a little bit when you're always starting the plus field position. Or to start at the plus 30 yard line because your defense took the ball away yet again. Yeah. You know, absolutely. so I think there's a lot of factors last year together. A defense that wasn't as dominant, wasn't as creating as much turnovers and creating short short fields for their offense and an inconsistency of the offensive line and the quarterback position. Those need to be fixed to compete for a division title because you still got to play Green Bay twice. You still got to play Minnesota twice. And this year, you have to play Detroit twice with a healthy Matthew Stafford that makes a complete difference. Um, and there's going to be some changes. Look, there's an open job at the, court, at the quarterback position right now. And know where Prince of Murray used to start. You got Artie Burns, they brought in Pittsburgh, former first round pick. You got Tolliver, and he drafted Johnson out of Utah, who I really like. 
I really like him. Um, I thought he was a first-round grade all the way. Oh, yeah. In terms of his man coverage traits, uh, his ability to break in the football, his aggressive play style and aggressive coverage traits. He's going to be a good fit. But, again, you're talking about a young player. And I can speak from my own experiences. Uh, it takes time. You know, as a rookie, you're just trying to find a bathroom in the facility. You know, <laughs> and, you know, you're trying to find out, what do we, how do I get home from practice? You know, you're, you're, there's so many different things going on as a rookie. You're just trying to survive at, at, on certain days. And you also have to play at a high level. I'll tell you a story. When we were playing, you know, I was drafted by the St. Louis Rams. And we were playing a game, a preseason game against Buffalo. And it was a coverage where I had the fullback. And I couldn't find it. It just wasn't there. <laughs> so I just kind of lined up behind the linebackers, right? Well, the fullback had split out wide at wide receiver. He was wide open. They threw it to him. He walked in the end zone for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, so you're going to have moments like that where guys just make mistakes. Um, but you got to play, guys. You got to play. To develop in that league, really any level, high school, college, to pro, you got to play. It's one thing to practice. It's one thing to watch film. That's all part of the process of becoming a pro player and developing pro-level traits. But you have to play the game of football to get better. And when you do, you're going to get beat. But then the players whose careers take off, they take those moments and use them as teachable moments and make corrections off those mistakes. But it is a process, and a lot of times it's up and down. Um, you know, I do a lot for fantasy at ESPN. I was asked a recent question about Komet as a fantasy you know, producer as a rookie. One, it's hard for tight ends. It's hard for tight ends to produce consistent fantasy numbers. And how many, how much target volume does he really get this year? You know, can he get 30, 35 catches? I think he can. I think somewhere around that is fair because he's going to split snaps with Jimmy Graham. And you got Allen Robinson, you got Cohen, you got Miller. So there's going to be um, tough for a rookie tight end to produce a ton of volume. One player we didn't mention is Ted Ginn. Yeah. They added Ted Ginn. Now, Teddy Ginn is not going to be a guy who's going to catch 80 passes for you. That's not his role at this stage of his career. But I'll tell you this, fast stays fast. It always has. And I go back to my career, and we played against guys like Randy Moss or Joey Galloway, especially mm-hmm. Joey Galloway. He better get deep. Yeah. Run right by it. He better get deep. So what that does, guys, and why I think they went out and got a Teddy Ginn, because that's what they envisioned Taylor Gabriel was, a guy that is has that vertical stretch ability. They can push safeties down the field. They can create intermediate throwing windows for the quarterback to work the middle of the field. So you run a vertical down the field, you run a crosser underneath it. What happens is you pull those safeties out and you try to attack the area between the safeties and the linebackers. And Teddy gives them explosive playability. That's one thing the Bears lacked last year, too. They're ranked near the bottom of the NFL at explosive plays. And look, every coach is going to say, yeah, I want, I want to have put together a 12-play uh, drive and wear out the defense. Man, that stuff sounds cool. I get it. Eventually, you got to create some, some explosive plays. You know, pass plays over 20 yards down the field where you can pick up chunks and move down the field much quicker. Um, and that's one area the Bears have to improve in as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree with almost everything you said there. I mean, the Bears are going to take the top of the defense with – Ted Ginn this year and Darnell Mooney, and you got guys like Robinson and Miller to run them crossing routes. Hopefully that helps out uh, Trubisky or Foles. Um, but to my next question, um, go. so going more about the Bears football, you played seven years in the NFL, including two seasons with the Packers, former Bears like Prince Nukamara and um, 
Patrick Manley came on the show recently and they said there's real hatred for Green Bay. Um, was that is that true? And was that like for the Bears when you were there too? There's a different level of energy in that game for sure. Um, just like when I played in Iowa, when you play against Iowa State, you know, there's a different level of energy there when you play your rival. Um, same thing in Columbia West when we play in Zale Central. Yeah, just felt different, right? It feels different. Um, the game's faster. The play speed is faster. Uh, it's much more violent on the field. It's much more physical. And I, I always experienced that. When I was with the Packers, it was, it was the Bears and was the Vikings. Especially when we went to Minnesota. Back then, we played in the Dome, the old Metrodome. Yeah. Um, loudest place I've ever been in my life. Those games were physical and fast and violent. But those Bears games, yeah, they, they meant something more. They really did. Um, you know, when I was in Green Bay for two years, we played the Bears on Monday Night Football at the University of Illinois. This was 2002 because they were yeah, 2002. This is when they were rehabbing Soldier Field and rebuilding it. So the Bears played the entire season down at U of I, and that was a unique experience, man, because it, it kind of combined that college atmosphere with the Monday Night Lights. Uh, about third play of the game, fired through an 80 yard. Touchdown, Donald Driver. That was it. Um, huh. We beat him that night, but those games just felt different, man. I used to love coming back and playing in Chicago. I think we didn't play them a bunch, uh, especially after Green Bay. I signed with Washington before the deal with Washington, so we didn't play Chicago a bunch. But when I was with Green Bay, and I used to love coming back. Now the, the game at Illinois was unique. It was special. It always will be to me. But playing at Soldier Field, man, there is there is nothing like it, man. Absolutely, nothing like it. Yeah, so, you know... great stadiums like that, yeah. Sorry about that. So, you know, if you take a look at the Bears' secondary this offseason, another player they added alongside Jalen Johnson is a veteran strong safety into Sean Gibson, Mm -hmm. which allows the Bears to move Eddie Jackson back to his free safety position. And and you already know that they have an all-pro back there in Kyle Fuller. So I want to ask you, as a former member of multiple NFL secondaries, what are your thoughts on this Bears' secondary heading into 2020? Well, I, I think Gibson's a solid pickup. Uh, you mentioned uh, a very key point there, is that if you look at the numbers, going back to 2018 compared to last year, Eddie Jackson did play in the deep middle field more in 2018 and more reps back there, more snaps. Now, the Bears play a lot of split safety coverage. Okay, Split safety coverage is when you have two deep. So you can play quarters or you can play cover two or you can play what's called cover six. And two plus four equals six. So one side of the field's covered two, the other side's quarters. Bears play all that, but they do play single high defenses as well. And single high is your man coverage or your cover three. And you want Eddie in the post. That's why Eddie got a brand new contract, because Eddie can track the ball as well as anyone in the National Football League. He really can. I don't know what Eddie runs in terms of 40 times. I don't care, because I can watch the film and tell you he plays as a 4-4 guy and take, and he's got natural ability track the football in a finished place. Gibson, you know, Gibson earlier in his career was that post guy. Absolutely. If you go back earlier in his career, he was that post guy. But I think at this stage, he's much better suited to be in split safety coverage or rolls down in the front. Um, and anytime you get a veteran safety, that, that, that helps you a lot. And obviously, last year with Clinton Dix, um, you know, I don't think the Bears played their best football last year. Um, but Clinton Dix, you're, you're, you're seeing, he, he's down in Dallas. He's going to get another opportunity to, to run with the ones down there in Dallas. Clinton Dix has first-round traits. I think this matchup might be better for this football team with Gibson and Jackson in terms of the style of defense they want to play and getting Eddie back in the post. 
uh, you know, Kyle Fuller, Kyle Fuller is a great story. He's a first round pick, you know, had an injury, um, and then his career kind of took off. Uh, Kyle Fuller is one of the best corners in the NFL playing off man coverage or in quarters coverage, just playing off coverage. His pedal is so smooth. He always keeps his shoulders square. He's got great transition speed. When I talk about transition speed, that's the ability to come out of your back pedal and drive downhill in the football. Mm-hmm. He's excellent at that. I mean, he really is. The key is that other quarterback spot, who wins it? Now, we already discussed that a little bit, but who wins that other quarterback spot? Man, I would probably then, say Tolliver at this point. Uh, it's tough I'm question. sure Tolliver's going to get every chance to, to win the job. He's been there. He's played before. He's got game minutes, played on special teams. But you just don't know. That's why you have, you know, the great thing about football, and hopefully we see training camp start on time, mm-hmm. is the competition. The competition makes you better. I mean, it really does. I mean, that's a, it sounds like coach speaking, I guess it is, but you want to, I, I always remember Danny Smith, who was our special teams coordinator in Washington, always said the best football teams have competition at every position. And even teams like, you know, Green Bay, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is going to start, but someone behind him pushing him a little bit, you know, and playing great football behind him as a two. That helps everyone. And the Bears have that at key positions this year. They're having the offensive line, obviously, they have the quarterback position. And that quarterback spot opposite Fuller, you got talent there. Like I said, Artie Burns, the guy from Pittsburgh, the former first-round pick out of Miami. Johnson, second-round pick out of Utah. And Tolliver, even though he's an undrafted free agent, has the traits to play in this defense in terms of the physical play style, the coverage ability, and the ball skills. So that that's a great competition. And at worst, it creates a lot of depth for you. I mean, guys, I'm telling you, it's hard to make it through 16 games. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. tough to make it through 16 games, especially in the secondary, the amount of hitting you do, um, and keep everyone healthy. So you need is I've always said you can never have too many defensive backs in the NFL. Yeah, you need a lot of guys who's going to play a lot of nickel. You can get five defensive backs in the field, and your defensive backs are usually your core special teams players as well. Guys yeah. who can cover kicks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you said it all right there, and. Uh, talking more about your career you played in the nfl with wide receiver when wide receivers like randy moss marvin harrison and tara owens and terry tory holt were making their marks in the league who was the toughest receiver you ever played against i'm gonna give you a name that you probably wouldn't take but someone who always beat me was Keyshawn johnson i know that yeah, name um, we know that guy. Oh, come on. he's on espn with you uh, <laughs> yeah uh obviously Keyshawn was a star at usc first round yeah um you know, for some reason, Keyshawn used to dominate me, to be honest. <laughs> and it was, I remember a game we were playing in Washington. We were playing Tampa, and we were in quarters coverage. He was a slot guy, and man, it beat me bad. It was, uh, he released vertically up the field. I can picture the whole thing now. I was in my pedal, and he kind of stemmed outside like he's running a corner out, and I opened my hips and tried to jump it, and he broke right back to the post. <laughs> There's another time, I just said, I had, couple times where I drive downhill, you know, on curls or dig routes and, you know, it's just, he, he had a longer frame. He was very, extremely strong hands at the point of attack. It was hard to make a play in the ball against Keyshawn. Yeah. Uh, now I'll see T.O. Um, during my time, that was when T.O. was one of the best receivers in the league. Um, and obviously, we know he's one of the best receivers of all time. But at that point, uh, he'd go in games and get 15 catches. I mean, he was great. And Randy Moss, Randy Moss, uh, anytime Randy Moss is on the field, 
as a safety, especially playing like a deep half, you lined up at 18 yards just to make sure. You know, just to make sure because yeah. if Randy Moss got up on your cushion as defensive back, he's going to beat you. He's going to beat you. Um, and Torrey Hole, I played with Torrey in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our first training camp, when we used to practice at Western Illinois University down in Macomb, and Keller from Iowa is a six round pick. And I get put into those practices against the greatest show with the turf. I've never seen anything that fast in my life, guys. I mean, I was shocked. <laughs> you had Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt, Ricky Prohl, Isaac Keen, Marshall Falk, Kurt Warner, Orlando Pace attack. You're talking about Hall of Fame players. Yeah. Yeah. And the way they played in terms of the tempo of our offense back then and the route running traits, the speed. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> if you would have watched me in that training camp, you say, there's no way this guy's forget playing a couple years in the league. The guy's not even going to make the team. I mean, it was hard. It was, it was a, a big adjustment. You know, and back then we had two of these guys. It wasn't like it yeah. is now. So you were, we were in Macomb for over a month. Yeah. And two practices a day. Uh, meetings at night, wake up, do it again. Yeah. You know, it was mm-hmm. tough. It was a grind. But that really prepared me. Uh, and then we played, we played, we, well, we scrimmaged Tennessee that year. And the Titans came out to Macomb. And I remember going during, um, called the inside run drill. An inside run drill is all runs. There's no wide receivers. I looked in the back there was Steve McNair, quarterback, Lorenzo Neal, fullback, and Eddie George, tailback. Oh, I man. Said, man. You know, you want to talk about physical football. He come downhill against Lorenzo Neal. And I don't know low now. He does, he does radio with one of my buddies out in San Francisco. Uh, Lorenzo Neal, <clears throat> he'll put your pads on you. He'll take your soul. <laughs> he'll do <laughs> and I got bounced around quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. So, and, but that's the great thing about, about the NFL. Um, there's nowhere to hide. You get thrown right in the mix. Either you survive or you don't. Yeah. You know, so it's a great learning experience. Every time you go out to practice field, it's a great learning experience, especially in training camp. Um, and obviously, I'm not going to do that this year um, <laughs> because of COVID. But those joint practices are some of the best things you can do because in a joint practice, unlike a preseason game, you control everything. Say, okay, we want to get more red zone reps, you get more red zone reps. We want to rep two-minute drill, let's go do two-minute. You you want to rep goal line. I'll tell you what, you rep goal line against another team in August, it is wild, man. It is wild. Um, So when I was in Washington, we used to do it with the Ravens. Uh, Probably with the Ravens during the summer. And, you know, Ray Lewis had read. Some you know some of the best football players we've ever seen. Chuck Pagano, um, so, it's worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. So, so, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm done. Go ahead. Oh, okay, cool. So, shifting back to the Bears a little bit, and you already talked obviously about this really important competition coming up in training camp. So you don't have to give me an incredibly elaborate answer if you don't want to. But who do you think's the Week One starter? Mitchell Trubisky, the quarterback who's entering his fourth season in the league. Or Nick Foles, someone who the Bears sent a fourth-round pick to Jacksonville to acquire? No, based on the film, I think it's Nick Foles. But that's why you have a competition. You know, if, if I'm Matt Nagy, <clears throat> I want to see Mitch Trubisky play his best football. That's what I want to see. And that's why you bring in competition. You want to see how players respond. So I'm, I'm Matt Nagy or Ryan Pace. Um, or I'm in that locker room is a, is a Bears player right now. I can't wait to watch him compete. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to watch him compete. Now, Mitch has got to have to elevate his game. You know, we can't predict what that's going to be right now. No OTAs, no minicamp. We don't know that yet. 
But yeah, just based on the film of Mish's film last year and comparable to Nick Foles and Nick didn't play a bunch last year he had injuries, but going back to when he was with Philly in the same system he's been playing in with Coach Nate. Uh, you know, if I had a bet, and I would say Nick Foles. I think Nick Foles has an advantage there um, in terms of ability to get the ball with speed and process with more speed uh, in terms of reading coverages and reading defenses. But we can see Mitch make that jump. We don't know that yet. Yep. And that's a great thing. You, we can be in the third week of August, and Mitch could be taking over that competition. That could happen. That's how football is. So I think it's great for both players. I think it's great for that offense. I think it'll bring more energy to that offense, especially in training camp, um, because you're gonna watch two guys battle and play at a high level. Hopefully, their highest level possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And competition breeds success, and that's all we want. Of course. So uh, my next question is about a little bit more about our defensive line. So we also had Khalil Mack have trouble in 2019 forcing pressure, and a lot of that falls on Leonard Floyd's inability to pass rush consistently. Um, so this offseason, the Bears went ahead and added. Robert Quinn, who had 11 and a half sacks mm-hmm. last year, uh, he was across to Marcus Lawrence. And now with Akeem Hicks back healthy, how important was the addition of Quinn and how scary is the Bears front seven? Well, Robert Quinn is, this is why I like Robert Quinn. And to, if you look at the you know specific traits you want in the pass runner, you want a guy who's twitchy off the ball, you know, that one step quickness off the ball. He's got twitch, he's got bend, he's got flexibility, and he's got that short area of speed. Okay, as a, you know, when you talk about pass rushes, I don't care what they run the forty. In. I want to yeah. see them get from point A to point E, uh, point B, extremely fast. And to do that, you got to have the flexibility in the bed. That's what Robert Quinn has. And look, I agree with you guys last year. If you're not getting production opposite Khalil Mack, where do you think you're going to slot of protection every time? Yeah. Where are you going to send the running back every time? Where are you going to line up the tight end every time? Right back. Yeah, to make create a wider angle that he has to run. Well, he, of course, you can do that. That's football one on one. Take away their best player. Um, but now, especially like you mentioned, a healthy Akeem Hicks, and you're not going to see it as much in the stack column, right? Mm-hmm. You know, as, a, as an interior defensive lineman, unless you're Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox, all those guys aren't producing 10, 12 sacks. It doesn't matter. Akeem Hicks, the best way to describe him, he, he's a disruptor. Oh, yeah. He's a very disruptive football player. And like I said, it doesn't show up all the time. You just check the box score. Monday morning, we're going to show up every time. But you watch the tape from this guy, uh, he frees up linebackers to the football. He creates that interior penetration. He can push the pocket, which forces the quarterback to walk into Cleo Mack or walk into Robert Quinn. He's a vital part of that defense. And right now I look at it, especially in pass rush situations, where it's third and seven plus, if I'm a quarterback, that ball better come out pretty quick. So you hold the ball in the pocket against this Bears defense with those three guys healthy. They're yeah. going to put their pads on you. They're going to push you on the ground. Absolutely. So we got two more questions for you. You know, obviously the new NFL CBA recently went into effect, and now there's an extended playoff field this year where seven teams mm-hmm. will make the playoffs from each conference. So do you think that if the offense can show improvements in 2019 that the Bears could possibly earn a wild card spot or even be competing for the NFC North title? Well, the first thing I'll say is I love the new playoff format. I know some people don't like change, but I think it's a great change. I think it makes December football great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you have everyone competing. One, everyone's going to want that one seat. There's only been one by. Everyone's yeah. going to want that one seat. But an opportunity to get more teams in, I think it creates more competition in the league. And look, can the Bears be in a position 
um, where they can compete for one of those final spots, sure. I mean, a lot of things have to happen. Everything we've been talking about throughout this entire show has to happen. And the other thing is you have to stay healthy. You know, this is <clears throat> this league is is really uh, a test year. It's always going to test your roster depth. There's no question about that. You have to have key positions, stay healthy. Um, but if they can get more, much more consistent play on the quarterback position, have a better plan for Tree Cohen, get the run game going with David Montgomery, uh, utilize the tight ends they have in their roster, there's an opportunity to do that. But to, to, like we talked about also earlier in the show, you need that defense to take the football away. Got to have that. Mm-hmm. You got to have that. You take that football away. And again, it's hard to predict turnovers, guy. You know, sometimes it's coming bunches. You know, um, sometimes the ball just falls right into your lap. Um, but that usually means that everyone's doing their job when stuff like that happens. So, a roundabout way to answer your question if they can take care of the issues that limited that football team last year, then sure. We see it every year. We see it every year. The teams that jump up and get into the, into the tournament in January. So, yeah, that's why the NFL is great. That's why it is the best Absolutely. league going because you just don't really know. Look, we had to put out Super Bowl predictions really early, uh, you know, like right after the season. You know, at that point in time, you know, I picked Kansas City and New Orleans, right? Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'm looking uh, – today I was talking with one of my coworkers. It, it, ben Roethlisberger is healthy. Pittsburgh is <laughs> Yeah. Don't sleep on a team like Pittsburgh. A top 10 defense. They're going to be a little bit more pass heavy The Big Ben back. They got – you know, at the skill positions on offense, they have the offensive line. And that's a team like that that you can see playing deep into January. Oh, yeah. You just never know. You never know how it's going to You never know. Awesome. Right. So, okay, so we got one more question for you. So, obviously, Matt, we spoke earlier when this all started about how a lot of us here at Bear Down are young adults, college students who eventually want to enter the world of sports media someday. So, what advice would you have for young adults and kids looking to someday do what you do? Um, I'd say the best thing is is to understand the process of it. Uh, I mean, I'll give you my story. Um, I started, I fell in love with, with writing because of advanced comp classic on my West. Yeah. And it's, I'm not joking. <laughs> That's where, you know, my love of writing came from. Um, and then when I went to college, even as a football player at the University of Iowa, I worked for the Daily Iowa school paper sweet um to get you know to start building a resume when i got into the nfl every place i went i wrote so i wrote i guess columns the st louis post dispatch i believe it was but the packers i wrote for um they called packer plus which is a part of the milwaukee journal sentinel in washington i wrote for the washington times and in buffalo i wrote for a little paper my last year called the niagara niagara gazette i did them all for free um, I wasn't doing it to look to make extra money or anything. Uh, I did them, you know, we used to call it get clips. I don't know what you call them anymore, but this is back before, uh, yeah. you know, I was on the internet, you know. Yeah, getting stuff for so, a resume, basically. Yeah, and when I got done playing, um, you know, I was 31 years old, and we live in Chicago. Uh, my wife and I just had our first son. We have four sons now. We have our first no. son. We're living down the street from Wrigley Field. And I said, I don't know what I want to do. And my wife said, why don't you go back to school? I said, you got to be kidding me. I'm going <laughs> back to school. Come on. But I did. I went to DePaul and got my master's. It was called writing and publishing. And that helped me so much because I, you know, at, at Iowa, I had a journalism degree. 
Uh-huh. But writing and publishing is totally different. I did poetry, uh, short story, sorry, uh, short story, uh, fiction, nonfiction, um, everything. Uh, I took stylistics classes. I took rhetorical grammar classes. Um, I had to diagram sentences again, which I wasn't a huge fan of. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, but it helped me to you know, really establish my voice or my tone as a writer. I think that's carried over a lot into football. You know, I write about football. Right now, I'm working on a piece for ESPN um, about the top plays, players, and teams inside what I call the tight red zone, plus five, you're line to the goal line. Well, I'm pretty sure the Bears and aren't making that article. Not after last year, no. <laughs> but, uh, what I can say about that is I'm writing about football, but I still think I have a unique voice that I've developed over time. Uh-huh. And when I got out of now, when I got out of grad school, <clears throat> I did a guest column for the Washington Examiner, right from Chicago. Then uh-huh. I did the Sun Times. Sweet. I wrote game re- game recaps for the Sun Times. I watched the Bears game at home, write up a couple plays I saw, and that would go online. Um, <clears throat> then I was part of a group that created a football website called the National Football Post, and we just filled it up with content every day. That's what we did. Every day, we're just filling stuff up with content. You know, whether it's fantasy, you know, front office stuff, um, obviously NFL analysis as well. And then I started writing for the Chicago Tribune after that. Um, I wrote a Tribune for, for a while, covering the Bears. Then from there, I went to, you know, Turner Media, which is CNN and Bleach Report. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I went to ESPN. So it took me a while to get there. I mean, that, that's my point. It took me a while to get there. Uh, the advantage that you guys have over what I did not have is the ability to write online, the ability to start your own blog, the ability yeah. to just practice. You know, writing is no different than playing defensive back. If you don't practice defensive back, you're going to be. If you don't write, and I, what I mean write, if you don't write every day, and then <clears throat> you're not developing your own crafts. Mm-hmm. And I strongly believe that. And you guys have such a different avenue than I do because there's so many more outlets, too. There's so many more outlets to write at, and if you're not at one of those outlets, you can start your own. And you start your own, you can start creating your own resume of things you can put out. I think social media is a big part of it now, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but again, how you present yourself in social media is very important. It is very important. Oh, yeah. How professionally you act on there is very important. 100%. Because on, on social media, every day is an interview, every single Absolutely. day. Yeah. Um, no different than I tell my players I coach at IC. Every day is an interview on there. Um, it can be a great thing for you, though, to push out your content, to create working relationships with other professionals online. So you guys have much better avenues, but the, the process is still the same. Absolutely. And there's times you just have to <clears throat> kind of embrace that process. And it's not going to be a smooth road all the way. It's going to be up and down. It's going to be up and down. Uh, but also how how much has changed about journalism. It was, you know, when I came out of Ohio, it was just writing at the paper. That was it. But now what, what we call ESPN is, is, you know, digital journalism. That's what it is. called ESPN Digital because it's print, it's video, it's radio, it's podcast. It's all combined there. It's all combined there. So my advice is, is to try to get into as many things as possible. Get your voice out there. Always be professional. Um, and be willing to accept that sometimes when you start out, not going to be the job you want right away, but it's an avenue or a path to get to the job you want. And, and you know, I think my story is a perfect example. Yeah, it absolutely. took me 
you know, almost eight years post career to get to ESPN. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wasn't a star player. You know, I was just started a couple of years, played a lot of special teams, bounced around, got beat up a little bit. I mean, that, that's you know, <clears throat> a lot of guys. That's the career arc in the NFL. Um, so I had to work my way after post career. Um, to develop my own craft and my own style, my own voice, all that stuff. Um, and you just have to put in the work, just like any other professional. Mm-hmm. Put in the work. Absolutely. You know, we were talking We were talking today on text um, about what I do uh, for IC on, on game days. As I fly to Philadelphia every single Thursday throughout the regular season do the NFL matchup show with Sal Palantone and Greg Cosell. And we tape it on Friday mornings. The reason we tape instead of going live is it's uh, it's a very detailed show. You know, it's a scheme show. It's a film breakdown show. Yeah. And after we're done Friday, we tape it at NFL Films in Mount Laurel, New Jersey, which is outside of Philly. I put on my coaching gear. <laughs> and then I go to the airport. And I fly from the airport. And when I land at O'Hare, I get into an Uber. And I go right to the stadium and put my, my bags in the sideline and coach. Crazy. So, Crazy, man. Um, that's, you know, that's the other thing I didn't mention. I think with writing and, and media, you have to have a passion about it. Yeah. You have to, especially with you guys. You know, you, you guys are putting your voice out there now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the more passion you guys show and the more interest you show in what you're talking about and the people you're talking to, that's, that's how that stuff takes off. You know, if your passion is there, people gravitate to that. They always do. It doesn't matter if we're talking about football or media. You know, in football, you gravitate to guys that are passionate. Mm-hmm. You, gravitate, you gravitate to them. Um, I noticed that when I was in Green Bay with Brett Favre. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I looked, you know, for me, that was a unique moment because I watched Brett growing up, you know, be a Bears fan here in Chicago. And to play with him, to see the passion, the energy he had, the toughness he had, I wanted to be like that. Right? I wanted to be like him. So, um, but your passion is important. And this business is important. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to show your, your voice, the passion of your voice when you're doing radio and podcasting. And when you write, you got to feel that passion in your writing voice as well. Oh, yeah. So that would be an answer. Awesome. Well, if you guys would like to find more for Matt, you can check him out on the NFL Matchup Show every weekend on ESPN and the ESPN app. You can also find more of his work on ESPN.com. And if you want to find him on social media, he's on Instagram and Twitter at MattBowen41. Matt Bowen, thanks for joining the show, my friend. That was awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much. If you want more content from us, do us a favor. Head over to our website, BearDown.com. Matt just spoke about how you have to be writing and posting every day, and that's definitely a motivating factor for us. We're trying to post content for you guys every single day of the week. If you want to find us on social media, you can head over to Beartown uh, on Instagram and Twitter. I'm gassed out after that long interview. And you can also find the link to our social media down in the description. Uh, Jalen McClinton actually cut out during that call, but Parshaw is still here. Parth, Matt had some really detailed answers, some great stuff to say. Any last words before we sign off on this one? Yeah, just another great guest we had on the show. Super fun to listen to. Uh, I think this is probably your longest episode. Or oh, yeah. We're at 43 minutes right now. Yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, if you're here to the end, you're a real one. And uh, thank <laughs> you guys for tuning in once again. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure to be your host. Uh, once again, my name is Chris Malpe. You know, that episode definitely did mean a lot to me. You know, growing up, making a fan page, making a small brand, 
I looked up to Matt and some other people from my high school just because I know they were doing it big and doing what I wanted to do big. So I really appreciate him for coming on. Bears fans, do us a favor. If you have made it this far, do us a favor and subscribe. Click the like button. Click the bell for notifications whenever we post. Do us a favor. Continue to stay safe. And as always, as we are reaching the 45-minute mark, bear down. We'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace.